on today's episode of the glue guys we're gonna to talk to bruce brown oh, oh what a treat what a delight what a treat. Uh, we've brian and i have already done the interview uh it was it was a joy are we it was a real i would joy. say we're glowing from that uh bruce brown we talked about him being the best center in the nba blake griffin what it's like to play with harden Kyrie, and durant so much fun in it and you'll hear it coming up after the intro music and this jeez Welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall. TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. Brian. A little stink on that hello for you. I'm feeling good after that after that interview. It's just a love energy. Man, what a guy, that Bruce Brown. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah so um, we have talked to Bruce Brown for a good 35-ish minutes. Maybe even 36, couldn't tell you the mm. truth. But great interview, so much fun to do. Bruce was <laughs> super candid, uh, just throwing out fun stuff all throughout. So that is a joy. What we're talking about first, though, before we get to that interview, is Brian, the yeah. Knicks suck. Ah, hey, suck on no, that. Just... <laughs> suck on that, Tibbs. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was getting super worried uh, during the game. I remember so. ESPN interviewed Steve Nash between the third and fourth quarters. And Nash basically was saying the nuts were up by like 18 at that point. So they'd be like, we can't just like chill and relax and sit back. Um, we know that the Knicks are going to come back and they did. And it was a crazy ending. What did you make of, uh, we talked about this with Bruce. What did you make of Julius Randall's yeah. uh, moment? I thought it was um, embarrassing, frankly. Um, yeah. I mean, I do mean that. I would be embarrassed if I were him because he's he's wrong about the call, and he made quite a fuss, Mike, in the yeah. grand scheme of things. That was a bit of a fuss. It was a fuss. I actually appreciated the fuss. Oh. Um, I want. I've seen you like get I, fussy before. I know. A fusser sees. Fuss respects fuss. We used to do the show in person, yeah. and when I would have to re- figure oh, out man. a piece Those of equipment. XLR cables back in the day. Oh, boy. Woo. Watch out. I loved the game last night, even though it was terrifying that the Nets were about to blow this huge lead and the win that they had against the Knicks. I appreciated it, felt heightened. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I'm not as much of a buyer into the the Knicks Nets rivalry. I just think the hmm. teams are in just a different plane at this point. You know, sure. like the Nets are way above what the Knicks are, even if you know they're not that far back in the standings. The Nets are just a fully formed super team, and the Knicks are just trying not to be good enough to where James Dolan forces them to make this crazy trade. So they're in a different place. Yeah, but it's good for our entertainment. If we get good Knicks Nets games, there, that was what we saw. There was a take that I'm going to steal. I, I mentioned that I was going to steal it from the Nets Discord, which, by the way, it occurred Shouts. to me that people don't even know what Discord is. I talked to some boomer friends of mine who were like, 
what is it? And they thought I was just talking about like the disc, like general Discord, like in in things. <laughs> it is a it is an app. I re- recommend you guys get it and then go onto at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. There is a link to the invitation to join. It's a chat room. It's basically a chat room, and we chat in there while we watch the games. Sean Goodfriend, a good, good friend, friend of the show and a nemesis of Mike Smiltz, had a very yes. stealable take. Um, where so you're gonna steal one of his takes? I'm, I'm gonna allegedly yeah. stole one of his. Yes, I love e drama, so I'm gonna I'm, I'm feeding into this to the e drama. That's inner internet drama. I don't know. I drama. Do people say that? Is that a yeah? Well, you can be an e celeb. Yeah. So sure. e drama. <clears throat> um, Email. <laughs> great. Everyone's doing it. Um, what was I saying? Jesus. And he. So the take Here's, was. <laughs> the take was. Bruce that, Brad interview coming that, up. Everyone. That, that Julius Randall uh, and the Knicks are in a similar place to where a version of Brook Lopez and the Nets had been in previous years. Ah. There is a sort of a parallel in their growth trajectory that i thought was that resonated with me and i wanted to steal a parallax. That take. Yes, yes a parallax yes a parallax view um yeah i i agree though i think you know when you see uh lamarcus aldridge and demar Derozan being floated out as trade possibilities if i'm a knicks fan i fear yeah, that they're gonna give scary. up like obi Toppin, kevin knox even though those guys aren't really any good uh they're gonna give up all these young players for like uh lamarcus aldridge and yeah it's just not going to work. I'll out. say this. Do you think, and this, I mean, I hate to take up too much time because we should get to the Bruce Please. Brown thing. I mean, yes. it's like, do you think that people are thinking like, hey, let's not, let's not be buyers right now because there might be a, a like a, a little bit of a super team here in the East. And it's just generally not, unless you're going for like true broke and getting like, you know, a bunch of top 10 players, it's maybe not the time to do that. I think there are going to be actually be more buyers. Okay. A couple of factors. Sure. One, of course, is the play in tournament. The fact that 10 teams have a shot at playing postseason games instead of eight, you know, and even the play in games are going to be considered. Those are extra free games. Sure. I, I, I do want to say, though, I'm talking Please. broadly, not just the Knicks. Like, do people feel like if you're no. even the Celtics? Yeah. Go ahead. What's going to happen? So this is a, this is the, the sub take off of the 10 teams take. Good. Vaccines are getting into people's arms, Brian. Not, okay. not mine. Just kidding. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. Just kidding. Um, oh, God. Yeah. And we have begun to see more and more fans at these games. Spike Lee was at the game Bo- last Bobby night. Bobby Schmurda. Bobby Schmurda. Looking Welcome great. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love. Did you see that GQ was there when Schmurda, like came home and they did a whole story of Schmurda's like, first day I out? that. Fantastic. What did he get into? Um, Anything good? I love that idea. Please. Yeah. More and more fans will be coming to these games. The arena's capacities will be more and more filled. It goes from like 20%. And then as more vaccine and lower cases go down, it'll go 30 and 40%. I think owners who have who have taken it on the chin, not really because they're billionaires and billionaires have been making money, mm. but these owners are going to see the playoffs as a chance to get money into the team because they're going to have more and more fans okay. actually sitting in the seats. You really think that they're going to try to squeeze blood out of a turnip at this point with absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. As, as people do squeeze blood out of turnips. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're going to, I think, I think some owners are going to do it. I don't think it's all owners, but like, I do think James Dolan, I mean, I, the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs and I think there's going to be some motivation to try to get that team firmly in the playoffs and maybe even make a run. There's something like the teams make like a couple million dollars per postseason game at home. And that's not nothing to think about now, though, the fact that these guys haven't had fans in the stands since basically about a year ago. Yeah. So I think 
owners like James Dolan, uh, Michael Jordan in Charlotte. There's going to be a lot of owners that'll be like, yeah, let's make a let's make a semi risky win now trade because the hmm. benefit of a mini playoff run is they want that money. Hmm. They want that change. I'm not That's sure, my take. I'm not sure I agree with your take, but I don't have the energy oh. to dispute it on its face. Okay. <laughs> Can we do a small thing Please. before we get to Bruce? <clears throat> we are fast approaching the trade deadline. Um, there's a lot of good written stories on The Athletic, thinking specifically of Sam Amick's trade big board, trade deadline big board. Yeah. That if you want, if you want to read it, go to theathletic.com slash glue guys and get yourself by the paywall. But how, let me ask you this. Yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie maybe. Oh, geez. You know. Let's, do we have to? Okay. We don't have to do the full Spencer Dinwiddie thing now, but basically, are you so desperate for the Nets to make a move? No. Like if they don't do anything. I don't even see where Blake Griffin fits into the rotation as it, as it <laughs> currently constitutes. <laughs> you know, unless you're improving on our defensive center in beat stopper BS, like I don't really see, I don't really see it. But um, I mean, that's the only place I would like look for like a market upgrade. No, you know, no disrespect to DJ, but I, I feel like that's a place. And I don't, I don't know that that player is out there. <clears throat> I like you had, I was listening to you, you made, you were making the rounds the, last week, by the way, Mike, I, yes. I, you were on a bunch of pods <laughs> and one of the takes, I don't watch baseball. I forget the name of the pitcher. Maybe Mike Mussina. Is that right? Mike Mussina. Okay. Yes. Um, you can use it. I'm not going to steal your take. Go ahead. You do it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to tell me my yeah. own take. Yeah, yeah. The take is essentially Mike Mussino is famous for having a knuckle curveball and a slurve and a fastball and a changeup. He he could throw a lot of different pitches. Yeah. None of them were amazing at a certain point of his career. None of them were amazing, but he could throw so many different pitches that it kept hitters off balance. Steve Nash is Mike Mussina. His pitches are the net center rotation. DJ. Mm. Uh, Claxton. Throw Blake Bruce, Griffin. Bruce Brown slurve ball Bruce on Brown. there. Bruce Brown. Yeah. Bruce Brown's the knuckle Slurve, curve. Slurving it up. Yeah. Slurving it up. Um, so that's what the Nets have going for him because, you know, they have no pinnacle center. He needs so a – Bruce Brown needs a, a nickname like the like a slurve ball. Like it, slurve? <laughs> I don't know. Something. I, I looked on his basketball reference before this interview, which we're queuing up here. So how many how – many, um, How many teases, how many teases can we do? Can we do? Um, you know, the funny thing is in the show notes, I'm going to put when the interview yeah. starts. And it was, okay, we'll yeah. click, click forward <laughs> yeah, to that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm not saying slurve ball needs to happen, but something needs to happen because he's it is empty in the basketball reference nickname. Yeah, is there no? There's nothing. I mean, and like, is there a more nicknameable dude than Bruce Brown? I don't know. I mean, there, there's bad nicknames we could give him, like the bowling ball. Bruce the Bowling Ball Brown. That's terrible. If, what, what is the, if he was a basketball player from? in the 1940s, that's what they would call him. Why? You know, they all have terrible the bowling ball? nicknames. Is there like the a, Bowling Ball. What? You know, because he's sturdy. All right. Oh, this is just, there's over. no, okay. I thought there was something about being Bruce or Brown or something. No, it's just. Yeah, it's alliteration too. Okay. Um, anyways, that's, that's sorry. That was not bad. do that. Sorry. <laughs> Bury that. Yeah. Mike, edit that out. Yeah. Um, anyways, so I. When we talk about the trade deadline, do the Nets need to make any moves? One item in, I think it was Sham Sharania's inside pass on The Athletic, was that the Nets had been pursuing P.J. Tucker of the Houston Rockets, mm-hmm. who played college ball with Durant, and they have backed off those pursuits. If they had made a trade with the Rockets, it would have been Dinwiddie for P.J. Tucker, and I'm sure the Rockets still would have wanted some additional compensation because Dinwiddie's not currently playing basketball. Um, but they backed off those pursuits. I think there was no reason given. I think it was because they had Blake Griffin. Mm. And what you're going to do is turn Blake Griffin 
into PJ Tucker. Well, right. Like you're going to, I mean, you're hoping you're praying. Yeah. Small ball five who can, who can be floating around the perimeter at times. Obviously I think Blake has more versatility than PJ Tucker offensively, but PJ Tucker was, was, I think a very valuable player. Mm -hmm. Um, He hasn't been that good this year. Mm. Not not super motivated. Gotta be. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of it. That Houston sitch is not that good. Doesn't seem good. So anyways, we're going to be tracking Brian and I, of course, mm. trade deadline. The Nets apparently, I think Brian Winhorse had reported the Nets are still fishing. The poles are out in the water. They're looking to catch some <laughs> some tuna. Um, sorry, I don't fish. No, you can catch I don't know. Deep I don't sea. Know how to do that. that deep sea. 70 pounds. Deep sea fishing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, the Nets may make a move, and I'll be interested to see who that is and who they make in addition. I just don't know where you fit another human being onto this roster. It's a pretty stacked mm. roster. But um, anyways, coming up, you're going to hear Brian and I's interview with the NBA's number one center. Yeah. The number one person in every Nets. A true darling heart. of sports media at the moment. Bruce Bernard Brown. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You got to know that you're beloved by the fan base already. Do you already, do you feel that? Like, do you, does that come into your world that you understand how much people already love your game and the way you're playing for the Nets? I definitely figured that out after like a first few games. Um, I don't I don't use Twitter much, but then I signed into my Twitter and it was like my feed. It was just all fans. And then when I had that big game, I gained like 13 or 14,000 followers in one night. You mean the 29 point? Oh, yeah. So what? Ha- so you looked up, there's a shot of you, you may have seen it on Yes, where you look up at like the scoreboard at the end mm-hmm. of the game. Did you not know that you had you know, been on, on the precipice of 30 points. You know, I had like, no idea. The thing is like, I think I knew, I knew when I passed my career high, I think it was like a floater or something, but I didn't realize like I scored so quick and like we were playing, uh, the King. So I was guarding De'Aaron Fox. So I had to get sprinted back every time. So I couldn't look up and I usually don't even look up there. Mm. Um, so when I finally looked up, I was like, Oh, shit. how did you, how did you, did you have the career high in mind? You, you already knew that going into it. Yeah, I, I knew I knew I passed my career high. Uh-huh. That's my career high was like twenty two at the time. So I I think it was like a floater like James gave me. Uh, yeah, I knew I, I passed Love that, it. but I didn't know I had twenty nine. I would have tried to make, I would try to make that layup at the end and get thirty. <laughs> I just love that you know because a lot of guys they obviously everyone kind of is cognizant of what they're doing on the floor, their stats and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that what your description was. You had to play defense. That's what people love about you, particularly for this team, is that you're willing to you know d up basically and you're i mean you're the greatest center in the nba <laughs> what trying to be what is working yeah what ha- so when did it become real for you that you're basically at times playing center you know in some ways at least offensively for the nets like how did how did you kind of get into that evolve into that spot basically they wanted defense on the floor when kd james and, and kai's out there um, so sometimes we go small and then like, I'm the four Katie doesn't really want to play the big. I don't think, even though he's seven feet. So, um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I just have to be physical down there. 
um, do what I can. They're going to score the ball, so I know they're going to help off me. So uh, if I can set screens, slip out, I'll get easy layups. Um, so I kind of realized that I think the Warriors game. Yeah, for sure. I, I you know, it's funny. I was reading, uh, James Edwards, the third, he, you know, he covered the Pistons for the athletic mm-hmm. and you guys did this like video breakdown. I think it was a few years ago. It must've been, you must've been a rookie or, or second year in the league. And it was all about you ding up Harden. It was like, how yep. do you stop James Harden? You had some talent. You obviously you had Blake and all that in Detroit. What is it like now? How different is it for you now when you're playing with those three guys that the Nets have right now? Yeah, they just make the game a lot easier offensively and defensively. James talks a lot. And then offensively, man, I just find spots where I can get open. Um, they're going to have to double Kai, especially he's going getting 40 a night right now. Um, they're going to double James. And, and when Katie comes back, they're going to have to double him in the post. So they're going to have to leave somebody. And that's me. And I'm usually open right under the basket. So it's an easy layup finish. And I'll take those, <laughs> those easy buckets. When you were playing at Vermont Academy, was it like that for you? Was it this easy for you too? <laughs> no. Yeah. The, the whole scouting report, even in college, the, I was on the scouting report as a scorer. Mm. Like, I remember so now, that, Miami, right? You were. Yeah. Yeah. I had like 30 point games, 25 point games. Like, How were you getting to your spots in, in Miami and Vermont? Um, it was all pick and roll. Um, or like I was catching shoot three. Uh, but it was just like different when you have like the ultimate, like you're the, you're the offense, like coach is giving you the ball to let you do your thing. Um, but now we got three superstars, so I kind of got to pick my spots when to score and, and when uh, to pass. You, you're ready to stop and beat in the playoffs. You're going to be the Embiid. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, There's going to be a lot of no. lot of fronting though. I'm not. Sta- I'm not standing behind them. I tell you that. <laughs> I can't let them catch the ball. Everyone's so obsessed. You know, this net season. Once you get the talent on this team, everyone's so obsessed with what that's going to be like. But I, I don't want to focus too much. Like we have so much season left. And what has been one of the joys of the year is watching you. You know, I remember when the Nets traded for you. I was excited because I remember you in Detroit, your defense first guard. You had some versatility on offense. I don't think anyone could have expected that you would be playing this well, at least from the outside. I'm sure you did mm-hmm. yourself. What did you think when you got traded? I, I would imagine it was shocking getting traded from the Pistons because they could use someone like I mean, every team could use someone like you, but they could have used someone like you. I think it was like I was coming off a good year. Yeah. Like I played well, I shot the ball well, like I did everything well. And then I, when I got traded, the day I got traded, I was walking into the facility to work out. I was I just got my COVID test. I'm walking in, about to walk into the gym, and I get a call from Troy Weaver. Mm. Told me I was traded. But I felt like weird at the moment because I didn't know what to do. Like I was already in the facility. Like, what do I just get up and leave? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> Could have told me before I got the test. Could've. Yeah, before I even got <laughs> yeah. there, like this morning. Yeah. But yeah, I felt weird. But then I seen like they traded me for like Musa, who's the first round pick in my draft and the second round pick. So I was like, dang, I actually probably did something for myself last year and the year before. Um, made a name for myself a little bit. Um, but yeah, my first few weeks, I, I felt weird. I didn't know anybody. It was like rookie year all over again. And then training camp hit. So it was cool. It was cool, though. And I just want you to know we were in. I mean, we were telling Nash via Twitter that he should have been playing you earlier on. But so obviously you you were getting some. I don't. Uh, were you getting some DMPs early on? What? Yeah, I, I didn't play at all. I think I played like five minutes in the preseason. And then I didn't play like the first few games. What shifted for you? What I mean, besides obviously coach putting you in more. What do you think you showed early on that then you became? I mean, obviously you evolved into a starter. And but what early on do you remember? Maybe something clicking or that moment when you kind of realized like, oh. I'm, maybe I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna prove myself in this moment and try to get some more minutes here. I think the game for me was the Jazz when he finally put me in and I had like six six and five. Um, yeah. I think I just try to go in there and just 
give energy. Um, I think some, at some points we were a little dead. Our offense was a little dead. So just giving them a little spark out there, um, it helped that game. I think Denver, when I had a huge game, I started at the one when Kai was out. Um, I think that uh, gave him confidence to put me on the floor, and he knew what I could do. This season, I mean, it's probably been so weird because, well, one, you're, you're on this super team. You know, you're with mm-hmm. these guys. Um, and then your old buddy Blake shows up out of nowhere. He wanted to join the party. <laughs> uh, obviously, so, like, the story of Blake Griffin, you know, he kind of, him and the team with the Pistons, they they made that decision to find a new home for Blake eventually, and depending whether it was a trade or whatever. Are you texting when you find this? Are you texting him and saying, like, hey, Brooklyn is good? I know he says he talked to Duran a lot. <laughs> um, how does that work? Like, do you, as a player, do you feel like, let me see if I can slide into his, you know, DMs and try to get him back? I So when we played Detroit this year, me and Blake got into it and I got a tech. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I was just talking a lot of Nestle. I was talking crazy. So he said he, he was talking back to me. He said some crazy. So we didn't really talk that much. Mm, it was um, beef. It was slight, slightly beef. It was, it was like, like low-key <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> So uh, when he signed here, he actually DM'd me. and was like, hey, you still mad at me? Question. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. So, um, no, I didn't text him during. Um, but, yeah, he DM'd me after the fact. And I was like, no, we good, bro. It was just in the game. You just start a fight with him. You know, just get some some blood boiling or something. Yeah, you know? and, of course, I get the tech. I'm like, I can't afford that. Give him the tech. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was, what was the game when you – you were kind of like there was like you and some guys on a bench on another team. Was it your twenty nine point game? Like, I remember you hit like a three, and you kind of like turned around to the opposing team. Or was- Shimmy? Is that Shimmy? Yeah, the, the favorite. Yeah, it was against the King. It was against the twenty nine point. Uh, I think who was it? Chemezi Metu. I did pre draft with him. Um, he was saying something to me, and then the other point guard Corey Joseph. Mm. And then the heck, one of the one of the coaches was saying something, saying like it was off or something. And I just already hit once, like I felt good. The coaches were dogging <laughs> too. I knew, that, yeah, I knew that one was going in, yeah. and then I had to I had to do something. If the third one went down, oh, yeah. I don't know what I would have did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in the moment thinking like, well, I don't know if it was out of character, but I was like, holy shit, like something's happening right now. Like there's some activity. that shimmy came out of nowhere. I, I've never done that before. <laughs> that was from the soul. That was deep inside. That should be waiting to get out. It seems like I remember in the bubble, there was a lot more like back and forth. It seemed like between guys on the floor and guys on the bench, like the guys on the bench became almost like like the fans for the team at that time. Is there more shit talking basically without fans because there's sort of like less there's less interference if you can really Um, hear guys and coaches say shit or is it is it basically the same regular sort of energy and pattern to it all? I think it's the same. Um, nobody really says much unless you're playing the Knicks and Theo's on the bench. He just talks <laughs> all fucking night. Um, other than that, no, nah, it's the same same bull that people say. Nothing too crazy. It, so we all obsess over this Knicks-Nets thing. Um, you know, Nets fans, Knicks fans all growing up together. Is it a rivalry for you guys or is it just not? It's just another team. I would think it's just another team, though, for you. Um, Yeah, for me, it's just another team. But me being from Boston, you know, New York teams is... You know, I'm playing for that, so I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take this to, to heart. <laughs> what do you want to uh, say right now, I, Bruce? I feel like you want to say some shit, and you yeah, won't, you're trying to be polite. I'm a Red Sox fan. I don't really like the Yankees. Oh, Red Sox. You know? Found them. You know? uh, yeah, I'll definitely take this, the rivalry to heart. Um, it was definitely more energy in the in the gym last night, so I'm, I'm glad. I can't wait till everybody's in there. Like, it's a filled arena. 
Um, but you could definitely hear fans there uh, last night. You, you were you a Celtics fan growing up? I, I was a Celtics fan. Who was your guy? Was it Pierce? No, it was Rondo. Really, uh, Rondo. It's a good choice. Very Rondo fan. Yeah. So what did you? You've probably played against Rondo, right? Mm-hmm. Do you say anything to him? Like, do you say, Rayshon? Nah, I, <laughs> I had posters of you on my wall. I wanted to so bad, but I didn't. Mm. I didn't say anything to him. And I had a chance to walking out of the like after the game, walking into the tunnel. He said what up to me, and I was just like, what up, and kept pushing. Mm. I, like, I wanted to say something so bad, but I can't. <laughs> My pride won't be put aside on this one. What did you like about Rondo's game? Because, I mean, the, the Celtics had so many guys you could have, like, kind of connected yeah, he just with. did everything. Like, I feel like my game, like I do a little bit of everything. I don't just don't do one one thing. Um, So, yeah, he just made it work out there with the superstars he had on his team. What do we – I know we talked about Blake a little bit. What should we expect from Blake Griffin? I think he was, like, joking about how the dunks are going to come back. You want to know something? The last time he dunked the ball in a game, I assisted him. There it is. That's the missing ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> I literally assisted him. It was against – I think it was against the Pacers. I passed it to him. He did, like, a baseline rip, and they dunked it. yeah. So are we going to see that again? Are you going to get? Are you going to get that? Need to. I hope I'm the first one to assist him on his dunk because I'll need something. Then we can put like the video. Book end. Yeah, perfect book end. <laughs> but it can't be like a weak dunk. No, it gotta it's like got to be right. One. Yeah. After all the build up, now it's it's too much. Has to be maybe like a lob or something. But yeah. I don't. I mean, he can still jump. I've seen him dunking in practice. I mean, it's exciting to have. You know, when he signed with the Nets, you get all those lob city him and DeAndre and all that stuff. I mean, DeAndre obviously still gets down. DJ don't got no bounce no more. <laughs> he don't. <laughs> Claxton took it all. Jeez. Claxton got that bounce. Claxton, yeah, Claxton last night. Lefty? Yeah. Mm. That was bonkers. So there, there was a key moment. You probably didn't see it because you were obviously playing in the game. There was a moment at the end of the game when the game was over. Mm-hmm. DeAndre and James Harden had like a thing where they were like talking out stuff on the floor. And I talked, we talked about this with Jeff Green, too. It was like, when you have a league pass and when the game goes to timeout, they just put a camera, like, on the bench. And you could just see the players all talking with each other. The coaches aren't there yet. So the players are just all mm-hmm. talking to each other. It feels like this team is, like, constantly really trying to – They're always, you guys are always trying to improve. And that seems like a silly thing to say because, of course, everyone is. But there seems to be, like, a special amount of communication that continually happens amongst you guys. Because I feel like – this is me inferring – that mm-hmm. – you guys know the expectations and know where you want to be. Do you feel that too? Or is that me being a silly guy on the couch? No, for sure. For sure. We know we got to get better on the defensive end. So we try to communicate as much as possible. James and DJ always bump heads a lot because um, maybe they mess up the rotation or James thinks DJ should do something different. Um, but we just try to talk it out, communicate. And once we get better at that, we're going to be unstoppable. We just need we didn't get stops though. We get stops, we blow everybody up. It was a Pistons game. That's the one. It was stuck stuck in my crop. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Pistons game. Yes. Of course I forgot about that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you still hold something? Does it feel weird to get traded and be like, you know what? I hate you guys. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, like the first game we played in Detroit, I wanted to kill them so bad. Uh, I think I was like I too that. energetic, like doing too much. Uh, and then last game I tried to be like more calm, didn't work. So when we go back there, uh, I think got something coming. Don't control your emotions. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I got to stay even care. I got to. But no. The first time I had to, like, I was just so hyped. Like, I wanted to get out there. I mean, I played pretty well, but. Did you get a good look at the, speaking of, like, losing your emotions, I'm just thinking of Julius Randle last night. Did you get a, a yeah. good look at that? That didn't seem appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to do anything anyway. <laughs> I just, like, his team was holding him back. He wasn't going to get to Scott Foster. So. Yeah. That was a wild situation. 
he traveled. Yeah, it, tra- it was a travel. I mean, and lose possession of the ball. Yeah. Like if he had, if he had gone right back up and then hit a three, like fine. All right, there's at least something to complain about then. But he like took the ball and. You know, they, they called it, but he didn't shoot it back up. Had he shot yeah, it, he didn't look at yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. Or another way. Yeah. Game over. Uh, I like bowed to their bench when I went down there, too. What's that? <laughs> I like bowed to their bench when I, when I went down there. <laughs> well, and obviously, as, as a Nets show, Theo Pinson, you talked about Theo. Theo was like the best bench celebrator in mm-hmm. the NBA. So Theo talks stuff during the game as. Yeah. All the time. And because we did, we have the same agent. We did pre-draft together. Right. So, like, we knew each other pretty well. We played each other through college. Uh, the one thing he said to me last night was, the last time we played in this gym, we was both on the court. What happened? Uh, it was UNC versus Miami. Mm. <laughs> and they beat us. It was the year they won the, the championship. I'm like, yeah. yo, y'all won the championship. Of course, y'all supposed to beat us. But I had 21, I had 21 on you. So, like, it is what it is. No disrespect to Theo. He is a not, not a guy that gets a ton of burn. How do you talk that amount of shit and, and not – get minutes that's, that's or maybe that's like a bit the best way yeah. to talk he's just shit good at it though yeah. he's just good at it you don't even think about him not playing like he's just good at it yeah do you are like so you played at miami acc do college rivalries transfer over to the nba like do you hate duke guys like grayson allen you see him and you want to trip him Nah, not really i mean i think that all ended during pre-draft because like all those guys like i was with like we all signed to caa so we all did pre-draft together um, Who was so, part of your pre-draft group? Uh, Devontae Graham, Theo, Grayson, Colin, Jaron, Kata Bates, Diop, Chemezi, Metu. It was like a lot. Jerome Robinson. So when you see Grace, like, did it bother, Did it annoy you to to get to know Grayson Allen and be like, he's not as bad as he seems? Yeah, he's not that bad. He's, <laughs> he's really not that bad. He's actually a good dude. Mm. So like right. the stuff I see about him, like it's not it's not really him, but he does show out on the court sometimes. So, but it's not him at all. He's a good dude. Yeah, because he was he was just in a long line of Duke villains, and yeah. he was the and everybody against. like they love Duke or you really hate Duke. So he just got the bad side of it. What we have coming up is obviously trade deadline, and then the season like at the after the trade deadline is when the focus really goes to what spots are people getting in the standings. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about defense, and obviously defense is the big thing. Do you yourself, because you're the defense guy, you're the defense, mm-hmm. you're the guy who comes in and plays D. Do you take it personally when you hear people say the Nets can't play defense? Not really. I don't really pay attention to it. I just think we got to go out there and show that we can um, get stops and just defense. D- defense, we just got to play with energy and communicate. That's literally all we have to do. Um, and sometimes we don't do that, so teams go off on us. But then when we do do it, teams don't score 100 or they score like 101. 105, 102. So um, if we do that, we're going to be good. You guys have been better. Uh, there's a uh, stats website called Cleaning the Glass, which you know tracks a bunch of trends that's been going on in the NBA. And mm-hmm. I think something like over the past three weeks, you guys have been above, just above middle of the pack, like 12th overall in defense. Yeah. The team has gotten better. Um, why has the team gotten better, do you think? What have you guys been doing better at defense? Uh, we've been going over a lot more rotations in practice. Um, and then communication is key for us on the defensive end. If we're not talking, they're going to have slips. They're going to get easy layups. They're going to get offensive rebounds. Um, so once we limit those, the, the big thing was offensive rebounds at first. So once we limit limit to those, we were good. Yeah. I mean, rebounding, it's like this. It's such an old school thing, but it matters. <laughs> it, it matters. It's huge. Particularly for a team that like, does can 
at times, you know, struggle on D. Like you, if you don't secure that rebound, then you're usually giving up an easy basket and mm-hmm. shit goes easy way. Way up. And then like we just skin a scoring match because like nobody's stopping us from scoring. What ha- what is it like being on the floor with that in that moment when like Kyrie had a ridiculous move last night? I don't know if you're on the floor for that, but when he had that, no, I was on the bench. Yeah. On, on quickly. Yeah, yeah. You just see that every day. Like if you watch our bench, like we see that every day. Mm. And like we don't react right away, <laughs> right? Because like it happens all the time. I was looking at the bench, being like, "How are these guys not blow?" But yeah, you guys see it every but day. We see it all the time, and it's still ridiculous. But did you see the plays that he was making after the timeout? Yeah, like the left hand floater over the who whoever the big man was last night. It was wild. When you see that, like, there's times when you can tell the opposing team gets almost like beaten down by the amount of excellence that you guys have, particularly when Durant. The few games when you guys had Durant with Irving and James, there's always a stretch in every game that you guys have won where your stars put on like eight buckets in a row that is just like unstoppable. And it's always like the other team in different ways too. It'll be like Durant's way of doing it and carry. Yeah. And then like, here's Bruce Brown, which is cherry picking, like with these like whole court outlet passes from James Harden, which is just, you know, humiliating at times. Yeah, I mean, I be, I sit there and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, how the hell do you even guard any of these? Like, when KD's coming down and does a hezzy pull from three, he's seven feet. How do, how do you guard that? Game's a step back. You can't block it or you're going to follow him. And then Kyrie just, he'll score over anybody. He doesn't care if you're a big man. He'll be in a pay and fade and, and get a bucket. So it's all about for, for the Harden and you connection, is it all, do you guys like talk this stuff through or is it all just eyes, like reading reading the wind? You know, like how? <laughs> how's uh, it, I think yeah. we, we, we starting to talk. Uh, some stuff through, but I know like when he wants to screen now, um, so he wants it like quicker, um, because sometimes they try to pick him up. So like at half court, and then as I hit it, I I slip because sometimes they're gonna double, and I'm gonna be wide open, or I get behind the roll and it's an easy layup. Do you know that this was from Jared Dubin? He's a basketball writer. That you and Harden's pick and rolls are the most efficient in the NBA. Like if you if you cancel out like everyone that really they don't do it that much you know the small groupings yeah D- uh, did you know that and I did not know that <laughs> does it surprise you no it it really doesn't because like I'm literally getting easy buckets like they're wide open layups like it's either a floater or a, a layup literally every time so it's like pick your poison like you want me to get a layup or you want Joe Harris to hit a corner three like which one do you want. It's funny talking to you because it's almost like, because like it, to play with those guys, it's, it just makes life easier for like, you talk about Joe, like Joe has obviously always been a great three point shooter in the NBA, but this year he's not having to do the JJ Reddick stuff where he's running around screens all the time. He's just kind of setting up in spots, moving without the ball lightly and then being open, you know? Joe really has a crazy finish ability. I didn't know he can lay the ball up like that. His layup package is crazy. He doesn't miss a lot of layups. Well, yeah, and like he's he's actually also been if you like look at stats, he's always been a really good finisher around the basket um himself. I mean, the whole team is you guys are all pretty pretty solid on that mark. Who has surprised you on the team, by the way? Like before you came over, I mean, there's 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 you guys had, you know, the Shamit, Joe Harris and Nick Claxton and there's Jeff Green. Obviously, you didn't play with you didn't play with a bunch of these guys before. I mean, is anyone like you didn't realize they had that in their game or something like that? Personally, I haven't seen a lot who was killing in training camp was Reggie Perry. Mm. Was killing in training. Interesting. Camp. Like, looked like he should be in the rotation. 
he was doing a little bit of everything. He was shooting threes, uh, jump hooks, killing DJ low key. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> because uh, because coming out of training camp, you Reggie Perry was in like every press release. Like they, it really felt like he was going to be like. Yeah, he was literally killing training camp. Um, so you know, look out for him. And I did want to ask this too because we talked about. That, that James Edwards, the third article where you broke down and like playing D against Harden. We, we've assessed, we've tried, Brian and I have tried to assess what is different about Harden, right? Cause he's, he's playing, I think drastically differently than he played mm-hmm. in Houston. Um, for someone who played against him when he was in Houston, now, now playing with him in Brooklyn, what is the difference? Like, what is he, how is he getting into his actions? I feel like, I think he's passing a lot more. Um, yep. and he's getting into his actions quicker, but what are you seeing? He just doesn't have to, have to score as much. Like, going when you play Houston, you know he's going to have to put up 40 for them to win. Yeah. Now he doesn't have to do that. Um, there's other people out there who can score the ball. Um, so when I guarded him, I was like, all right, I'm going to force him right. Capella's in the paint. My big has my help, so I'm just trying to force him into those floaters. Uh, if he makes it, he makes it. If he misses, he misses. But he's not shooting. He's not making any threes. So I'm staying, I'm staying uh, close on him. But now you can't really do that because – we have knockdown shooters. We have people who can score. And then I'm screening and getting behind the roller so he could just hit me for an easy layup. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, I'll be honest. I didn't really love watching Harden in Houston. Like, that's not mm-hmm. my style of ball. But him in Brooklyn, like, you see, like, there's a weight lifted off his shoulders. It's allowed him to kind of get back to what, you know, like a, a more of a flow of the offense type deal. I mean, and, and him, and I think Kyrie hasn't got enough credit for, like, you know, over his whole career, he he his old, even with LeBron, he like he had wanted to still be like a point yeah. guard guy, and he really isn't a point guard anymore. He's a two. I I think Kai has accepted the fact that he can be himself and just score the ball. Like Kai's a great scorer. Like he's one of the best scorers. I, he could I've be ever the seen. best microwave scorer. Like in yeah in basketball. So it's like now he's accepted the fact that he can score. He doesn't have to be the one and get everybody else involved, and he could just get a buck whenever he wants to. And he's still getting assists. Like that's like it's not even like he's just like stop. He turned off the faucet. Yeah, numbers exactly um, the same. But he's doing. It seems like he's comfortable in the arrangement that he's in. Um, for sure. I'm so excited to see Durant come back uh, for you Me guys. too, man. <laughs> I was thinking about today when I was shooting this morning. I'm like, we are really fucking good. Like, it could be we're winning all these games. It could be a magical hey, season hey, here, Bruce. Not, this could be a magical season. I'm just saying. Yeah, I I feel not playing. Yeah. BG's coming back healthy, so mm-hmm. hey. I was I joke with Brian that Durant should come off the bench. Your your starting <laughs> five has got you've got he should be a, a six man for you guys. You guys have got oh, it rolling. Man. Do you agree, Bruce? No, I do not. I'll come <laughs> off the bench like hey, uh, do his thing, and I'll come off the bench, be that spark, go back to my role, and uh, I'll get a quick little eight points somehow, some way. Are you feeling like? Like, have you noticed that the media has picked up on the Bruce Brown phenomenon? Have you, like, felt yeah, that? Yeah, it's actually wild because uh, my agency always calls me, like, uh, people wanted to talk to me. Um, I was like, dang, nobody <laughs> – this is different because nobody wants to talk to me in Detroit. <laughs> if I had a good game. So, um, but, yeah, I love it, though. With this season, as we're looking forward, how much do you guys think about those the certain teams i won't even name them but like the certain teams you guys may have to face in the playoffs are you still focused on game to game or like do you does it is in the back of your head like we need to play better defense because we're going to play these yeah i think i think we we think that we need to tighten up on a few things for the long run 
Um, but I don't think we just think of specific teams. Maybe if we're playing them at, at the time, we'll be like, all right, we'll see them down the line. So we got to lock in, see what they got to do, and then be better on defense, um, just prepare for the future. But I don't think we we lock in like at the moment and think about them, though. What What are we going to see from Blake? What do we expect? Hmm. Honestly, I don't even know. It's the right, it's the right take. Know. Yeah, it's hard to know. I've seen I've seen two Blakes. I've seen two. I've seen all-star, all-NBA yeah. Blake. Hmm. And I see Blake when he's hurt. So yeah, you were right there for those two seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was going crazy my rookie year. Um, so honestly, I don't know. He's coming back healthy, so you can get the crazy Blake. Or I mean, now he's gonna have like a lesser role. So honestly, I don't even know. I'm excited to see. You know, it's funny. Last night there was um, Nash took a really good timeout when the the Knicks were pressing you guys pretty hard at the end of the game. You know that. You know, that was a crazy defensive sequence near the end of the game. But I remember early in the year when a guy becomes a new head coach like Steve Nash, one of the fears is that he doesn't know how to call timeouts. It's like a thing. Oh, yeah. He said. never used to call timeouts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it is unusual, though, how he became head coach. Like, it's just an unusual path. Is he different? I mean, I, you, you've been with Nega, Dwayne Casey. Yeah. That's it. And they're probably all different. But does Nash feel like, is he really all that dramatically different from what you're used to as a coach or is he like a coach? He's definitely more calm, definitely more of a, like a player's coach. Cause he's obviously he's played and been MVP, but yeah, he's definitely more calm. He's definitely different than Dwayne Casey. I'll tell you that Dwayne Casey was just on my ass. <laughs> um, yeah. Coach Nash kind of just gives me like a, a feel out there and let me do what I, what I want to do. Um, he knows my game pretty well. So he knows like when he'll drop a play, he'll know like, all right, you, when he James does this, you cut here. Mm. Um, so really, he just kind of gives me like a green light on offensive and then defensively ultimate green. Is it true that Dwayne Casey gives you an index card with what he thinks your role on the team is? I heard I've heard this before, but is this is this a true story? Yeah, he yeah. gave me mine. He gave mine was like elite defender, mm. opportunity scorer. That's not you know there's on there. But my first year it was like elite scorer. I mean elite defender, and like that was it. And then you you got the, then you got the opportunity to show score. up on yeah. time, <laughs> and I was like, "That's it, <laughs> that's good." And then yeah, Detroit was, was definitely tough because I couldn't shoot above the break threes, I couldn't shoot floaters. Yeah, meaning just, meaning they didn't let you. Like they were like, Bruce, "Oh no!" Don't. He actually told me. He said, "Don't, yeah, don't do that." Like one time in Brooklyn, we were in Brooklyn. I shot above the break three. I missed, and at this time, I'm shooting like 36 percent from three. And he took me out and said, "Don't shoot that shot. You only shoot from the corner." Do you is that index card in a, in a drawer somewhere? Is that like like a, like a voodoo <laughs> doll got some pins in it? Or <laughs> I left it. I left all that stuff in the shoe. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Where they it can, belongs. They can keep that. And and I would say like so. Obviously, Dan Tony's on the Nets bench, and the, the great the great thing about the seven seconds or less Suns that Dan Tony was with Nash created. Mm-hmm. The whole point was, and Raja Bell has talked about this: open shot, shoot it. Doesn't matter. Literally, they'll tell me if I pass up a shot, they'll, I'll come in. Why didn't you shoot it? You pass up a shot, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. So that just gave me more confidence because, like, I'm a confident shooter. Like, once I see one go in, I might hit three, four, five. Um, but if I if I miss my first one, miss my second one, then I might not take the third, fourth. So uh, they just keep giving me confidence. So I, I like that a lot. So our if if Brian and I could hand you a, a index card for our goals for you, it, mm-hmm. it would be shut down and beat. Mm. Shut down Giannis. <laughs> shut down LeBron. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Just yeah. those three, just three things. It's a short list. 
do that. The only person I haven't guarded was uh, Embiid, but I would guard Giannis and Brown. Yeah. How'd that go? Brown has not scored on me. Giannis. I got to go back and watch this. Those clips. <laughs> he tried to do fadeaways. <clears throat> it was last year. Like, he tried to do two fadeaways and missed both of them. Who, Giannis? Or, nah, Brown. Or Brown. Yeah. He's, just, he's afraid of you. Yeah, so. force the fadeaway. All right, yeah. go ahead. I just put all my weight on him. If he spent off me, it was a dunk, yeah. though. So good thing he didn't. <laughs> all right. Well, Bruce, we appreciate you. I'm just telling you, everyone, Nets fans have absolutely appreciated what you've done because this team does need defense and needs guys like you who can go out there and that's the focus. And it's just been exciting. It's just been a joy. Yeah. I don't want <laughs> to blow watch it. you turn into the league's best and the league's best center. Yeah. It's not trying to blow, blow smoke up your ass, but it is, it is a love phenomenon in, in Nets fandom <laughs> for, for sure. Like I have not seen this before. So yeah. Hey, I seen one thing on Twitter. They said, uh, every time I make a face, it was like the, uh, what's the cartoon from SpongeBob? Mm. What? With the long nose. The squid oh, yeah, squid squid yeah. Squidward. I've seen that. <laughs> Anyways, congrats. Um, keep it up. We're so excited. And uh, hopefully you guys will win the championship. That's all you need to do. Yeah, so yeah we good. need that. We need the ring. Yeah, and we'll come back next year. Do it all over again. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, Thanks, Bruce. Bruce.